Hello, Danas. Hello, Beckys. Wishing you an early, happy Valentine's Day. Take a moment in the next few days to appreciate any form of love in your life, whether that be a significant other, a friend, a child, a sibling, a parent, a neighbor, but most especially take in the love you have for yourselves because guess what? I love you. I love you all. Don't have a Valentine? I'll take that role. I can confidently say Stephanie would be happy to share me. Okay. So from my heart to yours, please enjoy this next episode. Okay. On with the show. Are you fighting off a cold as well? No, I think I'm just fighting off life. This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro, here again with more of my so-called life advice. (laughs) Joining me today is an award-winning actor and producer. He currently stars as Dr. Hugh Colber on Star Trek Discovery. His credits also include the Netflix series 13 Reasons Why and the role of Angel in the Broadway musical Rent. He's beloved for his role as Ricky on the ABC series, My So-Called Life, where he became the first openly gay actor playing an openly gay role on series television. My friend, Wilson Cruz, welcome to Don't Ask Tig. Hi, Tig. One of my favorite people in the world. That can't be true. It's absolutely true. I am happy, happy, happy to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. We are on Star Trek Discovery together. We are. That's how we know each other personally from hanging out on the show. And what would you say are some of your favorite moments off screen on the show? Oh, man. We have these epic game nights. Mm -hmm. Those game nights can be (laughs) high pressure, (laughs) Um, really funny, but people take them really seriously. Not me. No, not you. And that was great because we needed that. <laughs> but those were great. I, you know, um, I know that sounds weird, but when we go to these conventions as a group together, especially like when we go to New York Comic Con and we do those panels, it's just really nice to like hang out with them outside of work, but also mm-hmm. to see everyone get appreciated because we kind of live in this kind of vacuum, this kind of bubble in Toronto when we're up there. So, When we get face-to-face with people and with each other and we get to hear how that show affects them, um, that's a really nice thing and that feels good. It's such a talented, fun, funny, good group of people. And yeah, Yeah. getting together for that game night, (laughs) I don't like to stay out late. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go to this and, you know, hang out for an hour, head out. But it is a grand old time and you don't want to go home it is just crying laughing fun because they're silly they're so stupid and anything with mary weissman honestly (laughs) she is so ridiculous (laughs) she really is now it's been almost 30 years since your groundbreaking role on my so-called life did you feel like 
it was this historic TV moment when you were doing it? Yeah, I really did. I mean, I was young enough to be a part of that show, but mm-hmm. old enough to know how important that character would be for people because I knew how important it would be for me. Yeah. Just three years before, I was just 16 years old in high school and feeling pretty invisible myself. And, mm-hmm. you know, to get the privilege to play Ricky Vasquez and be the representation for someone else that I longed for mm-hmm. was not lost on me in any way. And I did feel a sense of responsibility. I did feel like it wasn't just a role that I had to be good in, but that it was something that that I could leave as part of my legacy. I even knew that at that age, right? That it was something that that I could give directly from my heart, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that I could say, you know what? You're not alone. Wherever you are in the world, there are more people like you and you're perfect exactly as you are. And that was the message I wanted people to receive from Ricky Vasquez. What is overwhelming to me is that almost 30 years later, every generation that has followed it, even though it was only a one season show, um, has found it in some way. And I think what's really even more moving is that at the time, Ricky Vasquez was kind of like, you know, he was in the background. But as the years passed, more and more people came to appreciate who he is and what he represented. And, And I keep hearing from people almost every day from someone who says, you know, you were the first gay character I ever related to and it helped me figure out who I was. And I got paid literally almost zero dollars to do that, but I am the wealthiest man in the world because of those experiences. Yeah, that's awesome. It is such a great reminder of how important representation is. It's just, you can almost get used to the fact that things have changed so much. And then you remember that even though things have changed so much and things are changing, there's always someone that still needs to be touched or still needs to be shown this or still needs that. Yeah. You know, I even see it, this, this thing, you know, play itself out with Blue Del Barrio and with Ian Alexander on our show who are representing trans and non-binary people and how people react to them and their representation. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I see so much of my experience in theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that tells me is that, you know, there is an, an infinite amount of diversity that we still have to ask for, right? That we still can expect. So it, it's, an, it's, it's an honor to be a part of an industry and to be working as an activist within it to grow more representation and more acceptance for people who are, quote unquote, different from the mainstream. Yeah. Uh, and, and is there any advice that you would have maybe given yourself at that time? Yeah. You know, even as excited as I was, you know, to start out at 19, 20 years old, after my so-called life was canceled after a season, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I had no clue if I would ever work again. There was very little guarantee that I would go on working. It was very, probably very easy for me to believe that, you know, I would be on some where is he now list. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I think I worried about that too much. And Mm -hmm. I would have given myself the advice sooner that all of the things that I considered that made me odd or strange to people or didn't make me palatable to a certain 
powerful person in the industry. Those things, the fact that I was Puerto Rican, that I was gay, that I had this multi-ethnic look of, about me to most people. <laughs> and it's a good look. It's right. a good look. <laughs> but that all of those things were my strengths. Uh-huh. All of those things that set me apart from everyone else were the things that were going to help me succeed. Mm-hmm. If I have any advice for anyone is to nurture all of the things that make you different. Well said. It's true. It's hard to get there. Oh, my God. Stand up and not being mainstream and not having a typical delivery or. But it's also really easy to fall into that trap because that's what they that's what we think people want from us when we walk into these auditions Mm -hmm. and meet these casting people. Right. It's like, oh, what do they want me to do it like? But Mm -hmm. that's the wrong approach. Mm -hmm. The approach is. How will I do this? What am I going to bring? What am I going to bring? And that's really what they're looking for because everybody else is going to walk in and try and give them what they want. Mm -hmm. Go in there and give them what you think is right, what you think is honest, what you think is true. And that's going to get you a lot further. And that's even outside of entertainment and acting and auditioning. It's it's what you bring to friendships and relationships and family and your job and your neighborhood, your community, all of the different things that you bring, whoever you are, that's what's going to empower yourself and those around you. Took me a long time to figure that out. Took me a long time to figure it out, right? Mm -hmm. To be a lot less worried about who people want me to be and just be exactly who I'm supposed to be, who I am. It really, once you fully grasp it, I found for myself, it became my superpower, you know? Same, same. Now, a few months back, you attended the White House Hispanic Heritage Month celebration. And on Instagram, you posted a portrait of Abraham Lincoln with the caption, Hey, girl, (laughs) the gayest president presiding over the festivities. (laughs) Are you aware of something About the 16th president's dating history? Well, there is some talk out there. I've heard whispers, but I'm curious what you know. Well, that our 16th president shared a bed with another man and wrote very um, intimate and loving letters that were exchanged between them that, Mm. you know, raised a few eyebrows. It didn't raise my eyebrow. If anything, I celebrated it. Here was clearly somebody who understood the same-sex love uh, uh-huh. that, that, that I understand. You know, it was very tongue-in-cheek when I posted it. But in my fantasy world, yes, Abraham Lincoln, Republican, was a big old homo as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt comforted having him there at the White House when I attended again. <laughs> Is he your type? Uh, we got to get this Wilson Cruz hooked up. Yeah. I First of all, I appreciate that. Uh, do I have a type? Is it Abe Lincoln? Abe Lincoln would probably get a shot. You know, tall, mm-hmm. dark featured, smart mm-hmm. as hell, mm-hmm. ambitious. I enjoy that. Beard with no mustache. We could have talked about that, right? Like, <laughs> I think that was negotiable. <laughs> I, I could have shaved him at night, you know, while he was in bed, you know, asleep. I don't know. Oh, that's so sweet. You and Abe. <laughs> Snuggling in bed and shaving each other. In our log cabin, you know, just Mm -hmm. snuggling. I'm into it. Living the dream. Come on. He saved the union. Well, speaking of dreams, your dreams, well, too specifically to be on Broadway Mm. and on Star Trek. Yeah. That's insane. That's truly, those were your dreams. Yeah. When I was a kid, 
I was a huge Broadway fan and I was a big Next Gen fan, mm-hmm. Star Trek Next Generation. I thought that I wanted to be on a Star Trek show. And so with both of those boxes checked, what is next on your list of dreams? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I do have a fantasy of playing Prince in a biopic. Oh my gosh, I can see it. I can feel it. And I've thought about it a lot through the years, but those rights aren't going anywhere anytime soon from what I understand. Uh I want to come back to Broadway um, when I'm done with Star Trek. I've never originated a role on Broadway. Mm. And that is something that, that I'd love to do. It's a long process. We don't have any word yet on if Star Trek is coming back another season or... I wouldn't say there's any official word, but Uh, the word on the street is that, you know, we're probably coming back. I hope it happens because I would love to spend more time with you. Yes, because, you know, you're going to find me a husband. (laughs) I know. So anyone listening that looks like Abe Lincoln and is not a weirdo, (laughs) I, I have... Wilson Cruz here, ready to spend a lifetime with you. That's right. Wilson, moving on to the advice portion of this show, do you have a good track record when it comes to sharing advice? I have a pretty good track record. I do play a counselor as well on Star mm-hmm. Trek, so yeah. I feel like I've gotten some some practice. Uh, right. So I'll put on my Dr. Culber hat and see what happens. Well, our first question relates to an activity that you are very passionate about, exercise. Yes. All right. Claire from Minneapolis writes, Dear Tig, I'm 23 and coming into adulthood and also coming off of the Adderall I had to take my entire time in school, a drug that made me very motivated and also very unable to eat. My new life is fun. I'm hungry and not stretch so thin that I need to be on this medication. But now I'm also eating everything I can and don't have the motivation to work out, even though I want to be strong. How do you make working out a routine, especially if you hate routine and refuse to spend money on a gym membership? Mm. I think you don't have to spend money on a gym membership. You don't. There's so many things you can do. Yes, and a lot of us figured a lot of that out during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. during the height of the pandemic, I should say, because we're still in a pandemic. But when I was locked behind the border of Canada (laughs) during 2020 and 21, and we had no gyms, I did make a bit of a home gym. And most of it was my yoga mat, which I highly recommend yoga as a way to start your fitness journey because it helps with your flexibility and your strength. Mm -hmm. And you can do that very easily from the comfort of your home. Um, There are apps. I mean, I don't work for them, but the one I use is the Peloton app, which has amazing yoga on it. And, you know, a couple of dumbbells, you know, you can also use the workouts that are on there, but you can find even on for free online guided workouts that you can do. On YouTube and stuff. On YouTube, yeah. Yeah. I think it's about finding, A, what's fun for you first, what you're Mm -hmm. actually going to commit to. I know she said she hates a routine, but creating a a healthy habit apparently takes about three weeks. So if you can take about 21 days out of a month and commit yourself to those 21 days, you'll find that you've created a habit for yourself that you can live with, especially if it's something that you're looking forward to. So A, find something fun that's going to bring up your heart rate. B, 
commit to it for at least three weeks and see what happens. You're going to start seeing the results, which are going to motivate you. And you're going to feel better, which is going to motivate you. Mm -hmm. I would also even add in, if you're really reluctant, before you get into that three-week period of really going for it, maybe just ease in. Yeah. I have a friend who couldn't stand to work out, but knew that it was absolutely necessary. And so first thing in the morning, just rolling out of bed, lacing up the shoes. Yes. And going. If you set out your workout clothes the night Mm -hmm. before and you see them there in the morning, it'll be easier to put them on, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't have to go and looking for them. And you just, they're there, you put them on, you go. Yeah. And by the way, a lot of people are always like, oh, I'm going to start running. And they've never run before, right? You don't even have to start by running. Go on a long walk. That's what I mean. The easing in, just do something every day for a week and then floor it for three weeks. Yeah. And see what sticks. You know, we spend so much time wanting to do for other people. We have 24 hours a day. If you can commit to giving yourself one of those hours, mm-hmm. it's like a gift you give yourself every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Claire, I say take Wilson's advice on this one. Then write back and let us know how that turns out for you. Good luck, Claire. Yes. Best of luck to you, Wilson. We're going to take a break and then return shortly with more listener questions. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. You can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Sephora, and Zappos. And even stack deals on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. And we're back. Wilson, this next question has to do with seasons of change in a relationship. Emma writes, Dear Tig, do you have any advice for reviving a friendship that's just limping along? My friend Jen and I used to be housemates at a co-op and endured all the drama that comes with living in a house with 20 plus people. We spent time together and it was a total joy. I don't think I could have lasted as long as I did there without her. After we both moved out, we continued to hang out, but I started to notice that we could barely carry a conversation. We used to talk a lot about the co-op drama, but without that, we seemed to have nothing interesting to say to one another. After some months of this, I found myself super uninterested in spending time with her because I know that there's such a high likelihood that it will be boring. 
I'm sad that our previously energized friendship has become so flat, and I don't want to lose her as a friend. Mm. Um, it's really interesting how complaining and... Um, Commiserating with each yeah. other about mutual experiences, right, can bond you. There's some people also that just love that. They just, they love complaining about people and telling you how they did it wrong and I did it right and aren't I correct? And it's like, uh, you know, it can keep a conversation going. But after a while, it there's got to be more. First of all, not every relationship has to be a lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. It's okay if a, if a friendship has run its course Mm-hmm. And you can appreciate and love each, love each other for what that was. Now, the other thing is, instead of chasing a, a friendship that existed, if this is someone that you value their outlook on life and their values in general, then find what you have in common now. What is there that you have in your lives that you can share now? And if you don't find anything, it's okay to walk mm-hmm. away and be grateful for what it was. Yeah, people outgrow relationships, whether it's romantic or friendships or anything. I've experienced it, and it's hard, it's awkward, it's weird And when you're trying to shift gears. But if there's not something that's really bringing you back, do not spend your time like that. You can't do that to yourself. And you're not even doing your friend a favor, because if your friend knew that you weren't invested likely they're not going to want to spend time. That's not what they want either. You know, and just remembering that I had a friend who had a very similar situation and they ended up doing like a pen pal situation where they would write like emails back and forth. But that kind of triggered a way for them to find out what their lives are now, as opposed to what Uh it was five years ago or however long it was that they were roommates And so Mm -hmm. the email exchanges gave them a low-pressure way of reintroducing themselves to each other. And they remained Mm -hmm. friends. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. Emma, sadly but truly, not everything lasts forever. I hope that helps. As my therapist says, you know, acceptance is important. Mm -hmm. Wilson, this next question comes from Pedro. Hey, Pedro. Pedro writes, hello, Tig. I'm a closeted bi male who has been delving more into the proverbial man pool lately. Is it best to come out about it or wait until I establish a serious relationship before making that move? Is it really anyone's business? My feeling is you have to be comfortable with yourself first, and nobody's gonna or should push you out of any closet or situation that you're not ready for because that's rough. I don't think that there's any um, right way to do it if you are ready. Right. Whether you're in a relationship or not. Wilson's looking for a relationship. (laughs) Whether you're in a relationship or not, you have to do it when you feel good and when you feel ready. What are you going to say, Wilson? I was just going to say that your being bisexual has nothing to do with whether or not you're in a relationship or not, right? So Mm -hmm. you're not going to wait for When you're in a relationship, you're waiting for the moment that you feel strong enough or comfortable enough to tell them who you really are. I actually think it'd probably be better to do it before you're in a relationship when you're ready, Mm -hmm. because 
then you're dealing with just you and that relationship you have with that person instead of, oh, I'm bisexual and also here's my here's my partner, right? That's a lot mm. for one person to take in all at the same time. Not that they couldn't do that, but I, I feel like it might be easier to have that conversation about yourself and not just, and not about a relationship. I, I agree, but I also think that he has to do it based on when he wants to and not what's going to be easier right. for people to process. Yes. I think he feels that being in a relationship is going to make it easier for mm-hmm. him to do it. And I'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. not necessarily. Right. True. All right, Pedro, that's what Wilson and I think. Um, and my number is in. Uh, three, two, three. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wilson, our last question was sent in by a listener in need of relationship advice. Oh, yeah. Come here to me. <laughs> <laughs> Valerie writes, Tig, I've been with my partner for three years. I laugh the most and have the most fun with her than any partner in my past. And I feel 100% myself. However, on the flip side, she can seem several years behind in intelligence, career path, and maturity. Sometimes in groups or with friends, I cringe because she can say things that are just sort of clueless from current events to simple things you should know as an adult, like how credit works. (laughs) She has a big heart, can be very street smart, and reads people very well. I don't like the idea of teaching my partner but value the amount of laughter and joy we have. Should I walk away and keep searching for someone that has both a strong mind and a playful spirit such as myself or stay and allow her to grow while together? I've probably been on both sides, I guess, you know, and I think it boils down to what outweighs the other. When you really think about your partner being gone, is that a relief? But also... You've clearly thought about this, and now you're writing to me on a podcast, so it must be weighing a bit heavy on you. I would not ignore that, because the way I usually try to handle things is to look at everything, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, okay? I am a stand-up comedian who is on Star Trek who has a podcast about advice. Just to remind everyone, the title is Don't Ask Tig. I don't know if this is right or wrong, but I do look at things in life like everything is the tip of the iceberg. And behind that tip is a triangle that gets larger. So that doesn't mean you need to leave your partner, but it needs serious examination. Wilson? Yeah, I think it's important to know, be self-aware enough about your values Mm -hmm. and what you want and expect from your partner. And so if those things that she listed are things that don't line up, then it's time to consider that. Secondly, I hear like she's embarrassed a bit by her partner. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if this is something that she feels strongly about when there are other people around, or is this something, you know, when they're alone together, is it an issue, right? So my first piece of advice is, do any of those things rise to the level where they go against your values? And if so, then that's your answer. You need to walk away. And if there are things that aren't necessarily important to you, then perhaps be a partner to this person and help them grow in that relationship. But in the end, 
you know, if you're feeling like you're fitting a circle in a square and it's been this long already, it's time to walk away. I hear you. Valerie, I think you know what to do. You have to listen to yourself and there's not a right or wrong answer, but you know what to do. Yeah. So good luck, Wilson. Our last segment is one where people write in when they don't know what to name some thing of theirs. <laughs> Anything from an adult softball team to a betta fish. And we make one up for them. The catch is they must use the name. It's binding. Right. Do you think you can help? I'm going to do my best. Okay. This is Name That Thing. Name That Thing. Ebony in Brooklyn writes, I'm a musician and play the saxophone. I have been asked many times if my saxophone has a name, and I have never been able to quite think of one. Suggestions? You pointed at yourself. You play saxophone? I do. I do play the saxophone. Oh, my gosh. This is made for you. Yeah, you would think. Um, Did you have a name for your saxophone? I did not. I do not. I wish I knew what kind of saxophone, so it would make me picture it better. But Yeah, we have very little information. I mean, saxophone is a very sexy instrument. There's lots of curves involved, so it feels... I always felt like there was a, a feminine... Mm-hmm. fierceness to a saxophone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Do you still play? I can still play. I don't own one anymore. Okay. I had a storage unit that was robbed and it went with it. So I never replaced oh, it. I know no. it's heartbreaking. I could break down crying thinking about it. You know, I'm going to go with the first name that came into my head just now. Okay. And I'm going to say Cassandra. Cassandra. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's not like, here's a funny play on words, Mm -mm. here's... No, it has to be a respectable, sexy, strong, feminine name as far as I'm concerned. And you would choose that over Beyonce? Well, I mean, only Beyonce can be Beyonce. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not messing with that crew. We're not naming anything less than the White House, maybe, Beyonce. (laughs) What were you thinking? I was trying to, like you know, chat with you a little more, think about it, see if something popped up. But if it's Cassandra? I mean, that was the name that that the gods have brought down to me. Does Cassandra have a last name? (laughs) You always stump me. (laughs) Cassandra... Yeah, man, Ebony, why didn't you give us a little more information? You're just like, yeah, I'm Ebony like if it in was, Brooklyn, I have a saxophone. Her, her name is Ebony. That's something. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't get rid of Beyonce. <laughs> Cassandra Beyonce? Cassandra Knowles. Cassandra Knowles. Cassandra Knowles. Cassandra Knowles best. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the name. That's the name. Cassandra Knowles Best. There it is. We figured it out. That you're is welcome. the name. Ebony, your saxophone is now Cassandra Knowles Best. I mean, I think that's kind of brilliant. <laughs> I, I know for sure it is. And we did it together. Wilson, my friend, it's been a pleasure that we've reached the end. Tig, I love Thank you. Thank you. I adore you. I love you dearly. You are just such a crazy talent and a stellar human being. And I just love seeing you. I love watching you work. 
I love hanging out with you and I can't wait to see you again in the flesh. And it has really been such a pleasure to see you and have you on the show. And thank you so much for taking time to do this. You took the words right out of my mouth. I completely concur with everything you just said. Thank you for having me. Do you have anything that you would like to uh, promote? Obviously, season five of Star Trek is coming out in the spring. I'm also a part of the new rebooted Noah's Ark, which will be on VH1. And also, my five-part documentary is still on Apple TV called Visible out on television. Check it out. It's the history of LGBTQ images on TV. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. I will see you soon. is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willette and Shayna Deloria. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Engineering and sound mixing by Alex Simpson and Evan Clark. Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Our theme music is Friend in Tig by Edie Burkell and Kyle Crusham. And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Burkell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman. APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavati, Alex Schaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at Don't Ask Tig. Don't Ask Tig is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana, and I'll tell Becky. I'm stand-up comedian and sex symbol Tig Notaro. And I'm actor and writer Cheryl Hines. Before Cheryl and I got into the big business of podcasting together, (laughs) we were just simply friends. And we're still friends. But now we talk about a different documentary every week on our podcast, Tig and Cheryl, True Story. So whether you love documentaries or just want to hear us slowly lose our minds, check out Tig and Cheryl, True Story, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, cool. (laughs) 